Welcome to the Biology of Trauma podcast, the show that provides professionals with the knowledge and tools for effective science-based solutions for the trauma healing journey. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and I've done the hard work so you can stop your endless searching, have a roadmap for your own work, and be able to help others more powerfully. Welcome to this episode of the Biology of Trauma podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy. Today, we're diving deep into a question, what to do when the protocols aren't enough for resolving a chronic health issue? To help answer this question, my colleague and friend, Laura Fontero, joins us. She's a primary care nurse practitioner for decades at Kaiser Permanente, and this is where she worked with Dr. Vincent Folletti, the physician behind the adverse childhood experiences. In today's episode, we will look at what happens when trauma becomes the operating system for the body and the protocols aren't going to be enough and what to do about it. Here is what we will cover in this episode. When trauma is a roadblock for healing of a chronic health issue, how the body communicates trauma through health symptoms, what can go wrong when doing trauma work and how to safely do trauma work when a chronic health issue is present. How did I figure out the essential sequence for safely doing trauma work, since that is not what I learned in medical school? How trauma becomes a chronic state of the body? How to recognize one is dealing with stored trauma and not just stress? And finally, what to do if one already has some physical health symptoms and is finally ready to do the trauma work? Where to start to do it safely? As we jump into this podcast episode, we want to look at the system of the body as a whole. In fact, if you listen to episode 39 with Dr. Gaber Mate, he said that people need to understand that these systems of the body and the relation that they have, they don't function separately from each other. It's not like we have an immune system and a nervous system and a gut and a cardiovascular system and an emotional system. These are not separate systems. They are all one. With that, I am excited for this podcast episode and let's jump in. Here's Laura. Amy, thank you so much for bringing me in. I'm a huge supporter of the work that you do. It complements the work that I do um, beautifully. And I do send my clients to you. So we're going to unpack that today, explain why this is going to be so helpful for everyone. I want to go back to that doctor, the Dr. Folletti days. So he was my first boss. He was my first chief of staff. Uh, and that was 21 years ago. And, yeah. And, um, you know, it was pretty incredible because I know you have a background in preventive medicine as well. You're double board certified. Preventive medicine is one of your certifications. I worked in a preventive medicine clinic and the foundation of everything we did there was based on the fact that there's more to healing the human body than just looking at lab tests and running diagnostics, right? There's more to it than checking your blood pressure and cholesterol and uh, for prevention, from a prevention standpoint, preventing heart attacks, preventing cancer, preventing all these things. So everything we did, the ACEs study results were laced in and were the only um, program in the world that actually asked all uh, people about their traumas when we were, so if we couldn't get people to get well, it was often because a trauma was a roadblock. And so that was very revolutionary for Western medicine. I mean, that just didn't exist. And unfortunately, the program after 30 years, the budget was taken away. It was disbanded and the money was given to primary care to hire more family physicians because that seemed like the best way to best thing to do. Yeah. 
Well, and it still hasn't really gotten into medicine, right? Because you go to your primary physician and even the questions that Dr. Filetti showed through research and objective numbers that even just asking these questions, it improves people's results. It even decreases their ER visits just simply by asking. You didn't even have to do anything else. You just asked on the questionnaire and then you mentioned it when they came in on their visit. And so this idea that we can't separate our emotional lives from our physical lives. We can't separate our emotional health from our physical health. And Dr. Filetti was, was the leader in that. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but he was the reason why I picked preventive medicine. Wow. So when, when I was coming out of surgery, I knew that I, I knew that I wanted to do what I called at that time, like trauma attachment and addictions. I didn't know how to put those together, but I said, look at what Dr. Filetti's doing. And he's, he's bringing in trauma into medicine and he's in the preventive medicine department. So preventive medicine must be the place where I would belong to. And so that is literally his work. He is the one who encouraged me, not directly because I didn't know him yet at that point, but indirectly was my motivation for even going into preventive medicine and then becoming board certified in preventive medicine. So, wow. And then 20 years later, our paths crossed and the rest is history, right? So we're going to get into this today, and I'm really honored to lead this conversation. What an incredible library of information that you give out to the world, and you really are a supplemental therapy. Um, In my own practice, when I have people that I can't get their energy levels up, I can't get their brain power to come back, I can't get their constipation to go away, I can't get their digestive system to normalize, and I've done every trick that I know how to do from a gut mitochondria, cellular, you know, detox, get rid of parasites, get rid of toxins, all the things you are the person I send people to, because they say to me, Laura, what do I, what do I need to do next? What have I missed? And really it's the answer is you haven't done the trauma work. It truly is the answer. And I know sometimes people don't want to hear that, but if I cannot get you feeling better with all of the things I know how to do, the missing piece is trauma every time, every time. And once people go and they get the trauma piece taken care of, I mean, I mean, taken care of, right. We address it, we face it, we release it. I mean, you're the expert in that you're going to tell us about how to do that today. But once we get that piece taken care of all the symptoms get better. It just happens so many times. So I have sent many, many of my clients to you and they come back to me saying, this has been an incredible experience. Okay. So I have, I have a lot of questions <laughs> and I want to know, um, you know, as a medical physician and not a psychiatrist who has made stored trauma in the body, her main study and her practice, and you've already transformed so many lives through the work that you do, through the courses that you offer. I mean, you work with uh, consumers of healthcare, people who want to get better, and you also train practitioners to do what you do. So let's start with the most important thing for people to know about addressing stored and unresolved trauma. And I know that some things can go wrong, that you can screw this up. And you could do it in an unsafe way. So can you talk about that? What goes wrong and how do we do this safely? And when we talk about what can go wrong, I'm really speaking primarily to those people who have some form of chronic health issues. And since trauma always turns into eventually some chronic health issue, it can be underneath the surface at first, but it will eventually come to the surface and will 
present itself as symptoms. That's the body's way of communicating. Hey, I've got, I've got stored trauma. So primarily I'm talking to those people because that's what, that's who I was. I got very sick. And when I realized that I needed to do trauma work as part of my treatment plan, I did it all wrong because I was using the tools that I had been taught, which were, well, you go to therapy, you go to therapy and you talk about it. And that's how you process. You need to process all of this stuff, especially process stuff from your childhood. And you're trying to process things that your body's actually not yet ready to feel or to open up to. And to be able to understand how the body might express that, when we just look at our health symptoms, if we start to experience any flare up of our health symptoms, that's actually a sign that we're doing things in the wrong order or going too fast with trauma work. So we talk about there being a trauma response in the body. And this is something that I teach quite frequently in my master classes. So there's this trauma response in the body. And Laura, when we do trauma work, it can actually trigger a trauma response. So that so it we, can get worse before it gets better is what I'm hearing. Yes, like you can- we, we can re-traumatize ourselves in the process by trying. <laughs> Obviously, we have good intentions, right? We're just doing what we have been told is the right thing to do for trauma. And yet in the process, I have seen so many people actually re-traumatize themselves. And how we know that is based on their physical health actually getting worse. Maybe they start sleeping worse, or maybe their digestive issues actually get worse. Or maybe their digestive issues get better, but then it turns into skin issues and they've got acne or psoriasis or other skin issues happening. I mean, there's so you can look at any physical health symptoms, migrating trauma. Like I'm, what I'm hearing is it's migrating from one part of the body to the next, but it's still in the body. It hasn't left. Right. Exactly. Until we actually are able to what I call like, just open up, help the body open up because with trauma, it becomes closed in. And so as we start to learn to safely, safely, safely open up, then it has somewhere to go. But until then, again, we can, we can maybe be diagnosed with anxiety as an example. And we go to our provider and they prescribe us an SSRI or a mood medication, or even something stronger that maybe we get addicted to that. And we can take away the sensation of anxiety, but the trauma never went anywhere. And it will show up in another health issue. And all of a sudden you'll start having the digestive issues or you'll start having hormonal issues. You'll start, you'll, it'll, it'll surface somewhere. If we try to use band-aids to just cover up symptoms that are actually trying to communicate trauma. Okay. So, so now we know what goes wrong. You can make it worse. You can put people into a crisis is what I'm hearing So how would we do it safely? Do you want to talk about that? There must be a difference. There's a distinction here. Yes. And when I, when I think back on all the things that I did wrong, Laura, and, you know, at first it started with the things that I did wrong, even as a foster mom thinking, assuming that I was doing the right thing. And I just didn't know better, right? Like I was doing the best with what I knew at that time, but now I know better. And now is what I want to help other people to know better so that they can make better decisions about how they do trauma work. Cause it's about how you do the work and what we understand now. Yes, there are very clear principles, not only from trauma, but of the body itself. And when we combine those, we have our clear path forward. And so what has been very 
confusing and I think very hard and, and very disconnecting, maybe even disorganized about all the approaches that we have to trauma. When we look at, wait a second, like what, what are those principles? It just becomes so clear and we have a very clear path forward. And that always gives me just this sense of relief for me, a sense of relief of, I don't have to figure all the other stuff out. Like this is just my clear path. So the principles are that when it comes to the trauma response in the body, it's actually very different than the stress response. So the stress response needs different things than the trauma response. And so when we identify that a person has stored trauma, we have to start with providing really three things. We have to provide a sense of safety for the body. If the body does not actually feel safe, it won't open up. And that makes sense when we think about it, right? Like if I'm closed in, I'm closed in because I'm afraid. And it's not until I feel safe that I can even think about opening up. (laughs) I'm not going to open up until I feel safe to do so. And yet so many, even I'm thinking of the mindset, you know, the motivation and mindset group, which a lot of people with trauma tend to listen to those because they're very motivational, right? And yet what do they tell us? Very frequently, I hear the message, feel the fear and do it anyway. And, And we're trying to actually like, push our body into doing something that it is very afraid of doing. And we're not listening to the body. We're not actually listening to, well, why are you afraid? And what can I do to support you? We're just saying, nope, we're going to do it anyway. And that's what I did for most of my life. And then my, my body, I kind of say that my body finally gave me the middle finger and was like, all right, you aren't going to listen to me. Well, then I'm going to just take over. And it got very sick and it did it. It called the shots when it came to my energy, my brain focus, uh, sleep, digestive issues, like it called the shots there for a long time. So we have to start with safety. And that's a principle that we get actually from Dr. Steve Porges and the polyvagal theory, understanding that the body has to, this is not an option. We, we have to learn how to create a felt sense of safety for ourselves. This is not going to a therapist and having someone else or even a partner, there it be a partner, a friend, a child, like no one else can actually provide us a felt sense of safety. We have to do that for ourselves and we know how to do that. And that's what I teach people how to do now, because I want people to know how to do that. It is so foundational. So the trauma response has to start with safety. And as the body experiences that safety, it will start to open up. It will start to open up and it actually doesn't take that much time, even though someone can have been protecting their trauma well for decades it's like the body's ready. And so the body starts to open up a little bit at a time because we want to do it very gentle. We don't want to push the body, kind of like throw it off the, the cliff or throw it off the edge and be like, think or swim, honey. That is not the way we want to deal with trauma. We actually re-traumatize ourselves in the process. And so what we do is we do it very gently, bringing in safety. And as the body opens up, the body will then come out of that chronic trauma response and actually go into the stress response. And now, now we're needing, like, now we've got this energy. Now we've got maybe some anger. Now we've got this, like all of that stress. And that doesn't need safety. That needs actually a felt sense of support. And so again, we have to learn how to create that for ourselves. We can't expect other people to do that for us. We've got to become what I call an expert in our own nervous system so that we're creating these experiences that our body needs to finally land in what we call parasympathetic, 
where we feel grounded and centered. I call it the the place where I feel calm and yet alive. I'm not calm and dead and exhausted. I'm calm and yet very alive. And it's that combination that's the parasympathetic. And I don't care what chronic health issue you have. When you spend most of your time in parasympathetic, you will be in your best health. And so that is the body. And that is the potential of the body. When we apply this essential sequence to safety first and then support And then this idea of I can grow, I can expand, but now I know how to do it in a safe way rather than trying to just force myself and use my mind to tell me what I should be doing when my body doesn't seem to be on board with that. And when our body doesn't feel like it's on board or the other words that I hear people say that come through my courses are my my body betrays me. My, My body is what's holding me back. And this is, this is how we identify, ah, no, your body's just carrying a ton of trauma and it can't hold anymore. And so it's expressing itself in holding you back because your body can't hold it anymore. So, so many things are coming up for me right now. So it seems like it would be very sensible that this should be a normal part of any medical practice. And it also seems the way that you explain it quite simple and it should be, it's like everybody should know this information, but here's what I know, Amy, it never came through in my medical training. It never came through in the 21 years that I worked at Kaiser Permanente. It never came through. Even when I was working with Dr. Folletti, we didn't talk about how to safely release trauma. He was really the guy that figured out, oh, this is underlying all the issues. We need to, we need to like bring this up to the surface. But then the actual solving of the problem was not his, um, you know, his zone of genius. So, so here's the thing. This is interesting because you are, like we said, a you started out as a normal physician, a Western medicine doctor with a lot of trainings. I happen to also know you were a surgeon at one point. So you're double board certified, you're a surgeon, you're all these things. And then you go get certified in functional medicine. And then 15 years, you've been working with people rewiring trauma. And it makes you very unique and positioned to help people with this. So here's my question. How did you piece together the sequence of how to help people, because this is not something as we just established that is taught in medical school or residency, or even by some of the experts who figured out, Dr. Folletti figured this out, that childhood trauma was such a huge part of people's biologic health problems, but the solving of it is the, okay, so just go tell me, how did you, (laughs) You're, you're taking me back down memory lane, Laura. And for me, that memory lane is actually going back to when Miguel was young. And I remember when he first came and he came as a four-year-old. So he this is your came, son. This is your foster yeah, son, Miguel. Yeah. 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 He came as a foster son. He was four years old at the time. I adopted him when he was five and I did everything for him that I knew how to do. And there was one day when I reached my low point with him, we were just coming inside from having 
been playing outside and it was hot and the grass had just been cut. So we were all sticky and itchy on our skin, but I pull them into my lap because we're needing to do attachment and bonding work. And as I pull him into my lap and I'm looking into his eyes, because of course the eye contact is very important when you're bonding and noticing again, that he doesn't want to look me in my eyes. Like he, he does not want to look me in my eyes. He does not want to be on my lap. He does not want to be anywhere around me. He was not able to feel safe with being loved. And as I'm rocking, right, rocking back and forth, very casually, very slowly, very relaxing. And this is supposed to be a a happy bonding time. And out of nowhere, I was unprepared for what he was going to tell me next. And he said, mommy, tomorrow I'm going to kill you. And he said it just like that, where it was just something, hey, I've been thinking about this, almost like, what are we having for dinner? Mommy, I mean, I just have chills. I have chills. Tomorrow. I've heard you tell this story before and I have chills again. And you just, you tell it like, like it just happened just like that. And that's because it did. He didn't have emotion around it. No, oh, it's just matter of oh. fact, this is what I'm going to do. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and I believed him because he had actually already tried to kill me and I I needed to protect all the knives in the house and, and put them behind lock because that's, that's how he had already tried to kill me. So I believed him, but for me, this low moment was what am I missing? Because I've literally done everything that I know how to do for him. He's in all of the therapies. He's in the talk therapy. He's in the play therapy. He's with the best child psychiatrist in the area. He's also in attachment therapy. Like what other therapy am I supposed to have him in? And it was from that moment that I realized that nothing that is supposed to work was working. That I realized if I'm going to help him, I need to, I need to find other solutions. I need to go on a journey myself to figuring out what does he need. And so this is how I started to piece that together. Now, first of all, it was for him. And then I started helping a lot of other families who were also adoptive families and working with them and teaching them what I had learned about how to parent, because you have to become a different type of person. You have to become a different type of parent, but guess where it all starts. It also starts with safety, but We just have misunderstood what what children interpret as safety. So then fast forward a few years, 2014, I'm finishing up my third year of general residency. It's transplant surgery rotation, no less. And my body won't get up out of bed one morning. I had gone to bed the night before. I had woken up with a page saying that my patient was transferred to the ICU. I had fallen asleep before I could even call them back. And my body was done. It was not getting up out of bed. I had never experienced this level of fatigue before. And as I have to take a medical leave and I'm kind of going through my own charts now, right? Like I'm almost like becoming my own patient and I'm the physician and the patient all in one. I'm realizing that it's like, Amy, like, what are you thinking? Where, where have you been that your, your mind, your, your body is having these symptoms that are all related to adverse childhood experiences from Dr. Vincent Folletti's studies. And yet when I looked at my, my childhood, it was nothing like Miguel's history. And so I didn't understand why my body would be holding 
all this trauma. So that's when I went on my own journey and fit and had to figure out like, okay, how do I, how do I address trauma? Because like you say, we can know that it needs to be done, but then there's the how, and we haven't had the how we've, we've just been told that the, the path to the how is, well, you go see a therapist and you talk about it. And yet when I did that, I would get sicker. My labs would get worse. My symptoms would get worse. My fatigue would get worse. And so I, I realized that that is not, that is not what's working at least for my body. And so that's when I started going to different trauma therapy trainings and slowly through all the different trauma therapy trainings and my own experience and basically experimenting on myself, Laura, that's how I figured out, wait a second, like there's a specific sequence that the body needs when it's been carrying so much trauma. And as I started to apply this to my patients, I saw what I call now like magic starting to happen where they had been stuck for decades. And all of a sudden they're being able to make significant progress in their emotional health and their mental health. And as a result with their, with their medical issues, because I was just leading them through this very simple process that I've now created as my 21 day journey, but very simple process of this is the order in which we do things. This is how we do it. And let me teach you the exercises to create these specific experiences that you need to create for yourself in this order. And we just get to watch the body heal itself. I think that's one of the most amazing things that you and I have come to know about the body is that when we give it what it needs, the body does so much of the work itself. We don't have to micromanage the process, but that has been what's happened with the trauma work is because we haven't been applying the right tools. We haven't been doing the right things. And so we've had to feel like we're forcing it or we're having to micromanage it. And that's just because we haven't, we haven't given it what it needs. And we know now what it needs. And that's what I, I love to teach people this because then they're not even dependent on me as having to come back to me. Like they have these tools for themselves and, and like the sky becomes limitless in terms of what they are able to do. It, it really does. I've seen it in my own clients who I've sent to you and, you know, I've seen how trauma um, becomes a roadblock. It becomes, it becomes our health condition. It becomes the thing that prevents people from healing. And even when I worked all those years ago with Dr. Folletti in the preventive medicine department, and we were addressing trauma, I saw how people were stuck. So can you share now what are the health issues? Can you describe symptoms and conditions that you see in people who have this, you know, underlying stored trauma? They've done everything else. Maybe they've gone through all the detox and the gut protocols and the mitochondria support and the, and the, and the, and the, and, the, and there's this underlying stored trauma, right? Um, you know, <laughs> We used to have a word for this when I worked. I think I've said this before, and I'm just going to go out and say it. I laugh at it now because I know what I know. But back in the day, we called people like this Folletti specials. That is what, because we didn't know how to help them. And this is what Western medicine does is it is it's like, well, I gave you the antidepressants. I gave you the, you know, the the GI drugs to help you stop having diarrhea. I gave you the, the, the heartburn medications. I gave you the, and we can't help you anymore. You're just special. 
they're in not a nice way. That's what Western medicine does, right? We can't help you. And I can remember writing in charge somatization, right? Like, like it's all made up. It's all fake, but I know it's not. So hear me, everybody listening. I'm, I'm telling you what the truth of it is in Western medicine right now. So what are the health issues that you see in people who have this underlying stored trauma? And what are the ones that are associated with the body getting stuck here? The ones that are stuck where we call it a Filetti special. So how do they get out of that? Yeah, that's a great question, Laura. And as you're asking it, it makes me think of there is a difference between an immediate trauma response. Like if I'm in a car accident, there's an immediate trauma response that my body will probably go into. But then there's this idea of a trauma response becomes chronic and we just kind of get stuck there. And our body now lives out of this trauma response state and it's become our chronic way of living. It's not only now just an, a specific to an event. And so maybe let me just address that really quickly around what is a trauma. So a trauma, we've generally associated it with an event that happened in our life. And yet that's actually so not true because when we look at the body and it goes into a trauma response, most people Laura, are going into a trauma response every day. And yet they're not looking at, oh, like this big, horrible thing happened to me today. So they're not even recognizing the trauma that's happening in their everyday life as their body responds to their life situations, environment, even internal experiences and continues to go into this trauma response every day. And that's when it's become chronic. So when the body is just by default, like this is just what I do. This is where I go. This is how I live life is I go into this trauma response. Then that's when we're looking at, ah, like this is a chronic pattern of your body's living in trauma. And when it does that, there are very predictable consequences to our biology. And the body's trauma response, how would we recognize that? It's the sensation of being overwhelmed. And so when you think of, uh, I like to think of the stress response being that like, I'm, I've got all this energy and I'm holding up all these things. Maybe I'm holding up my responsibilities. I've got kids, I've got work. Maybe I'm married. Maybe I've got friends, whatever, all the responsibilities in my life, I'm holding them all up. But what happens if they become too much and they start to come down on me and crush me rather than me being able to successfully navigate and juggle everything in my life. And that's the sensation of the body going into a trauma response is that something has become too much. And I can't, I can't hold that up without a lot of effort. And I now feel overwhelmed. And when I talk to people, many of them are actually waking up feeling overwhelmed. And so this is a common pattern that I see. Yes, a person can be, have had trauma in their past and they're stuck in stress, which is really high energy. And they're always kind of running around like the hamster on the wheel. That's stress, right? It's a, it's a, it's a restless anxiety, but the trauma response is going to feel like when you wake up, for example, like, I don't want to get up. Does it have to be morning already? I don't want to face my day. I'm already overwhelmed by my day that hasn't even started. And when we think of trauma then as anything that overwhelms us, we can look back at our life and say, oh my goodness, there have been many times when I feel overwhelmed. And for a lot of people, I feel overwhelmed every day. 
And if our body is in that place of overwhelm, then it's going to have health issues. It's a guarantee, Laura, because what happens is that, again, the trauma response is a biological response and it actually changes how the operating system for our body. And if it's changing the operating system of our body, it's changing everything down to the tissue level, the organ level, the cellular level, the DNA level. That's how far the trauma is becoming our operating system and literally telling ourselves, now's not the time to do much. Now's the time to kind of shut down and just hibernate. So fatigue is one of the most common symptoms that people will experience. They may not use that word fatigue. They may use the word exhausted. I'm exhausted. And they may notice that at the end of the day, all they want to do is just sit on the couch. They want to drink that extra glass of wine. They want to drink, eat some chocolate, maybe binge watch movies. They find themselves doing things that don't take up much energy. They start scrolling on social media. Why? Because I can do it mindlessly. And they notice that they're starting to do more and more things mindlessly. They're not actually being fully mindful and present when they're doing things. And that's how we can start to detect, ah, like your body's in a trauma response and trying to survive life by only half being there. And then half of your energy, half of your brain, half of your body is protecting all of this stuff behind the scenes because you're only half engaging in life. And so this is why so many different health issues and symptoms can start to develop all the way down to actually being diagnosed with things. So if you're looking at a diagnosis, IBS, there are many people who have IBS that don't have the diagnosis of IBS though, right? Because it's just a syndrome of symptoms that Western medicine is kind of like, well, we don't know why it's happening, but it, you're having abdominal pain, you're having constipation, you're having diarrhea, and it seems to be stress-related. And there are many other conditions that are stress-related. I'm going to tell you right now that those conditions are not stress-related. They are trauma-related. Those are when your body has been in the trauma response and this chronic trauma response. Autoimmunity is a big one. And I think that was one of the very first ones that the adverse childhood experiences really showed that, wait a second, there's this huge connection between your childhood experiences and autoimmunity and anything, any condition that has that connection with the adverse child experiences is not stress related. It is trauma related. And so the list is very long, Laura. And really what I'm saying is that again, no matter what your symptoms are, no matter what your health issues are, there is always trauma that's connected with it because trauma will make it worse. So even if the trauma didn't cause that health issue, just the fact that your body has stored trauma will make that health issue worse because trauma becomes our operating system and how our body operates even at the cellular level. It doesn't always manifest in the way that we think it should. It's not going to always manifest in emotional triggers and ruining our life and a big addiction. Like trauma manifests in the small ways in which we deal with everything, our problems, our relationships, our work, and our health. And so as we look at the patterns in our health, one of the things that I've seen consistently is that there are two categories of people and one category of people starting my 21 day journey, they already know that they're exhausted. <laughs> they already know that they're doing this because their body has been run into the ground and they're doing this because they know that they need to do trauma work and they've heard me talk and they know that there needs to be this essential sequence and way in which we do it. And so they already know that they have this stored trauma 
and they're feeling the exhaustion of it. However, there is this other group of people that start the 21 day journey. They even still, Laura, are like, I'm not sure they've had trauma. And remember, I was one of those people because I did not look back at my childhood and be like, oh, there was clear trauma there. Is it okay if I share something personal about you? Is it okay? You've already, you've already opened that door, Laura. So now there's no going back. Okay. Okay. So, so Amy, you lived with me last year for about a month because you were in transition trying to decide, am I staying in California? Am I moving, you know, out of the country? Am I moving across the, and I said, just just stay here for a month while you figure this out. We have this nice little granny flat. You can hang out there with Amada. So every day you were in the middle of this 21 day journey and you were even, you know, dealing with your own kind of health crisis at the time because you had had a mold exposure. So we were working on getting that out of you and supporting your, you know, body and your immune system. And nothing stops you. So I've never seen anybody who works as hard as you. So, and I'm sharing this personally, because I think people really need to know, I watched you working on your own health journey. And I mean, people can see it. If you go back to last summer and look on her Instagram feed, she's showing her health journey there while you are actually executing this 21 day program. And what I love about it is you like to go outside to do your uh, calls. So on that, on the 21 day journey, you were, uh, if I remember it correctly, you were meeting with them every day, I think for 21 days, something like, yeah. Okay. And so you'd be out on my, yeah, we have a lot of little sitting areas around our property. And so she'd find a little cozy spot and be outside under the trees and, and it was summer and nice and Amada would be right next to you, your dog, and you'd be running this 21 day journey. And so I got to witness the dedication that you have to your clients. And I also just got to witness that nothing stops you. I mean, you, you were, you are not going to let anything stop you. And, and I'm sharing this because you take it so seriously. You, you, you take people's lives into your hand and you show up for them. You don't you don't ever leave them hanging. So I just want to acknowledge you for that because it was a really beautiful thing to witness. And I've never, you know, I haven't met very many people with the um, work ethic and the dedication that you have. But I want to ask you, there's a lot of online, you know, DIY, do-it-yourself programs for trauma healing and limbic retraining. And I don't know of any programs that actually has the design that yours has, which makes sense because you like, figured it out and made it up as you went because you were going through this yourself and put all these pieces together, right? So nobody else has this. So you're not going to find it somewhere else, but people get incredible results with your program. So talk about that. Um, I, I want to know a little bit more about it. Could you, would you be okay just sharing it here right now? Now I feel like I have to. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not going to share. I'm not going to share. <laughs> So you are, you are right, Laura. Like it is, it is the most important thing for me to safely guide people. In fact, you know, I I have a team now that works with me, thankfully, and we focus on that all the time. I keep coming back to them being like, this is our promise to people that we will safely guide them on their journey because I did not have that. I did not have any safe guidance. I did not have any guide. I was, as you say, trying to figure it out. And I made a lot of mistakes. I spent a lot of money and I wasted a lot of time in the process because I was trying to figure it out. So as I look at my commitment now to people, it also probably comes through from my experience as a surgeon, right? Where, where people entrust their lives with you 
And your commitment to them, at least my commitment to them was, I will get you through this surgery. I will get you out on the other side and I'm going to do this surgery safely. I'm going to take you on this journey in order to bring more health to your body, but I'm going to do it in a way that is safe for your body. And so that's been a commitment for me that has stayed with me. And now it's just more about the trauma work and safely guiding them through that process. So what that has meant for me is that, no, I can't just give them a do-it-yourself course and be like, hey, good luck. <laughs> right? like, hope you listen to what I say in the videos. For me, that's not safely guiding them. And safely guiding them means that I, I guide them in a very specific way. And so it's a very specific process. Every day, there are different exercises that I teach them. So that by the end of the 21 days, they have 21 different exercises. I've actually now added on a another three weeks. That's an intro to all parts of me. So it's a six week foundational journey. So they're getting 43 exercises in this process. And what this is, is safely guiding them every step of the way to like, this is your piece for today. And there are small pieces, Laura, they're not, we're going to do this huge marathon every day. Like that would be, that would not be safely guiding them. That doesn't (laughs) work for people with exhaustion and pain and digestive issues and enough and stress like crazy in their life and their bodies already. It has to be little tiny wins every single day. It's like, you know, that concept death by a thousand cuts. Well, this is opposite. This is life by a thousand little tiny well, 21 tiny steps. Yeah. 21 little tiny steps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know you run this program periodically because I saw you do it, you know, from my own yard hooked up to an IV, you know, getting, making sure you you remember you had an IV in your arm. I I remember. And I, and I remember the picture that you're referring to where, yes, I am teaching a 21 day journey class. I actually teach them twice a day so that people Mm -hmm. can show up to whichever one fits their schedule most. Like that's how important it is for me to be able to safely guide people is have that live class every day in addition to their short exercise. Uh, But yes, I, I, I do remember that, that very well, but I think to me like that, that is the commitment, right? It's like, I'm going to show up for you. If you show up for yourself, I'm going to show up for you. You'll be there. I've literally been, you guys, I have been, I'm saying you guys, cause I know we have like a lot of people here. I would say I've been at conferences, medical conferences with, with Dr. Amy, where she steps out and leaves to go do the 21 day journey. And like, it's like, where, where'd she go? Oh, she'll be back. She's got, she's doing that twice a day. She's, she's going. So my experience of you is you've been committed to it no matter what. And that's one of the reasons people get such good results. Hopefully you watched Dr. Richard Schwartz's interview where he talked about the parts of us that keep us sick. And so again, no matter what your health issues are, you have parts of you that are involved in your illness, even maybe discouraged that you are even sick and having to deal with health issues. Like that's a part of you. And so we've actually got to learn how to work with these parts of us. And um, again, for those of you who hopefully were with the masterclass with Gabra Mata and I on, on Saturday, we talked about this idea that it has to also then translate into decisions that we make in our life and how are we making changes in our, in our environment, in our family, in our home, in our lifestyle, in our schedules, so that we're actually creating a different life that supports the new us. What I'm, what I'm telling people is that you really need the foundational journey. 
And so that foundational journey now is both the 21 day journey and this intro to all parts of me. And then we're ready to do the deeper work with the biology piece. And the way that we do that is we integrate. So in, in the biology modules, which include things like working with the trauma response, working with the stress response, working with grief, working with attachment. That's when we integrate all these pieces all at the same time, but that foundation needs to be laid. And so that foundational journey starts with the 21 day journey and then leads right into the intro to all parts of me for that complete six week foundational journey. So when I send my clients to you, they have breakthroughs that I wasn't able to get them to because I'm solving the toxins, the gut issues, the cellular, you know, mitochondria support on that level without the trauma piece. So for people who are stuck in the trauma cycle, then this is an incredible value. Thank you, Lauren. Just as as you say that, like I, I think of the thousands of people now who I've taken through the foundational journey and seeing, seeing their lives continue to change. Cause it's like, once they learn these tools, I mean, you know that, right? Like just everything starts to change in their life and it continues to change because there are many things that um, you do that. Hey, like that was great at that time, but it didn't end up actually changing my life. And this is the work that will change people's lives. And, and for me to be able to be a part of that, um, uh, that also fuels my dedication and yes, my willingness to drop out of any conference where I am at anywhere in the world and be like, I got to go be with, be with my 21 day journey people right now. <laughs> I've got to go be with my 21 day journey people right now. Do they, it. they need me <laughs> and I do it. You do it. You do it. I've witnessed you do it many times. That brings us to a close for this podcast episode. Trauma and health issues will always go together. It is only a matter of time when it will come to the surface. When trauma becomes the operating system for a body, we have to approach the body in a specific way. There is an essential sequence to follow if we are going to do trauma work and open ourselves up safely. In the show notes, I've included some resources for you. I mentioned the specific sequence that the body needs, starting with safety, then support, then attuned expansion. So I have put together a guide that dives deeper into the science and the reasons behind that essential sequence. You can grab that in the show notes and begin to get ideas and understand what is your clear path forward based on the principles of the essential sequence for stored trauma in the body. I have that in a guide, but I also have a shorter pocket guide version of the essential sequence for you professionals who need things fast and condensed. I've got you. Thank you for joining me on this episode for the Biology of Trauma podcast. I needed answers, practical tools, and solutions for addressing the stored trauma in my body and helping Miguel find his healing. And I suspect you want the same, practical tools for solutions and real change as well. More than anything, I hope that you are finding that here, and I hope that you have learned something new today. On the webpage for this podcast episode, you can drop your comments and share with me what you learned from this episode between the relationship of health issues and trauma, and then what is needed to change that operating system in the body. Until next episode, sending you lots of love. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. We definitely will learn, laugh, and sometimes cry together on this healing journey, and you won't want to miss an episode. Give my podcast five stars, share it with a friend or colleague. If you felt an impact as it truly helps get the word out and breaking the paradigm of how we do trauma work. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, 
This is your host, Dr. Amy, sending you lots of love. 